0: Well, I'm very excited to be able to <clears throat> be with you today, to, <clears throat> to come before you and preach the Word of God. Wasn't feeling so well yesterday, and uh, feeling a lot better today, but I've got a little bit of a, <clears throat> a, little bit of a croaky voice, so uh, forgive me uh, through our time, but I think we'll make it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We want to talk about church planting today. We want to talk about um, some principles that will apply to the larger church as well. Matthew chapter 7. Sermon this morning is on building on the rock of Christ. And this afternoon, we'll talk about the loving church, and these principles will uh, be large principles that we can apply across the board. Matthew chapter 7, we'll start our reading, verse 24. Please give your attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Thankful for the reading of God's holy word, and we hold to the promise that we find in Isaiah chapter 55. Whereas the rain Whereas the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for these blessings upon our time. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your word that is before us. We come asking for your blessing upon us as we hear your word. Help us, we pray, to make applications from your word. Help us also to to endure uh, through the many temptations to be distracted as we come to your holy word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this uh, text that's before us, we come to a passage that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus gives us this reminder of the church Uh, Of of the importance of the church to hear his words, and he gives us an application of uh, a church that hears his words, is built upon a rock, and the one that is not is built upon the sand. Regular part of our family beach trips (coughs) that we like to take uh, as often as we can, we don't get to go that often anymore since we live so far from the beach, but uh, we always enjoy being in the sand. We enjoy walking on the, the beach and, and uh, exercising and we enjoy building, uh, sometimes we're able to build a sand castle. One of the things about the sand castle that we build is we try to put up a few walls and a few towers. And the funny thing is, is no matter how much time that we invest, or how elaborate, or just how much time that we spend or don't spend, the castle always washes away. And I'm always amazed as we do this on the beach or look back on our footprints as they wash away in the sand, I always see a spiritual lesson there. You know, I guess that's the thing about preaching sermons, you're always looking for applications. And I find a lot of those at the beach, I guess because it's peaceful, it's a place uh, that I'm able to relax and to think through. But there's a spiritual lesson about the sand castles that wash away. We're never really surprised When the castle falls because it's built on sand. We did it intentionally. It was just a time of relaxation. But how foolish would we be to set out to build a real house on sand? Every builder knows that a solid foundation is essential for a house to be useful or to really last any time at all. And today we want to talk about building a strong church, on a strong foundation. And we want to make that application especially for church planting today. Let's look to the Lord's words in Matthew chapter seven and gain some instructions for church planting. In Matthew chapter seven, beginning verse thirty four, the Lord Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not, where it was founded upon a rock. I want to talk about some general principles that are here in these verses, and then what we'll do in the second part of the sermon is, is look to a number of applications that we can make. So let's look at some general principles. First off, what is the rock in the passage? In the passage, the Lord Jesus is describing himself as the rock. Christ is that stable foundation. The words of Christ are our perfect foundation for surety, for security, the rock upon which we must build anything of any lasting value. And you can see that there is a broad application here. We would talk then about building our homes upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, about building our nation. Upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, about building our church, and specifically about church planting or new churches. and the interesting the ultimate application of this passage, many uh, you all, always find this in the older commentaries on uh, this particular verse, is it's always applied to our salvation. so in other words, we build our salvation upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and not upon the sand of our own works. This passage always reminds us that we are safe on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not safe upon our own works. And so that principle then, that larger principle, is what we're going to use to decide how we will plant the church. The rock is our first thought. The second part of this passage is one that talks about the threats that will come against the church. And you can see that in our imagery, there are many forces in the world that attack and beat upon the teachings of Christ. How do we read about this in the parable that's before us? We read about it through rut, through the floods, through rains and through winds. Those things beat upon the house that's put upon the rock. So, I love the way that this passage actually describes a number of the of the things that, that happen to us in the church built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a quiet and uneventful thing to build upon Christ. There will be threats. There will be many spiritual winds and floods and rains that will beat upon us. Matthew Henry comments on our passage. He says, there is a storm coming that will try what our hopes are bottomed upon, that will try every man's work, and it will discover the foundation, and floods and wind will beat upon that house. And like his application here, he says, when tribulation and persecution arise because of the, of the word, then it will be seen who only heard the word and who heard and practiced it. And then when we have occasion to use our hopes, it will be tried whether they were right, whether they were well grounded or not. You see, to apply this passage across the board in our lives, not just to church planning, we have to talk about what we're built upon and what our hopes are. How did we handle those threats when those threats beat upon us? Did we remain stable? And so that gives us our third application from the passage not only to have a a clearer glimpse of the rock, and not only to consider the true threats that come into our lives, but also to consider the comfort that is here. You see, the words of Christ are are not beaten down. The words of Christ are secure, and they will stand long after this world is passed away. I find that to be very encouraging. Uh, This passage has been encouraging to me this week as I've meditated upon it, because I know then that if I build upon the foundation that is the Lord Jesus Christ, when those winds and rains and floods do come, then I will be secure. That's the hope that we need for any church plan that we would pursue. I find this to be an encouragement to the Christian who, who is traveling through a, a fallen world, a, a very stormy world, we might note from our passage before us. The encouragement that's here is that we must build our faith on Christ and upon Christ alone. And in so doing, we'll be able to withstand many of those attacks that come upon us. I find this is also an encouragement for the church. If the church is built upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus, then it is a solid church. It's a church that is built upon solid ground. It's an encouragement for fathers encouragement their fathers as they build their families upon the solid rock of the Lord Jesus. We consider church plants. An interesting thing happens. You see, for church plants especially, the attacks are very severe at times. A church plant doesn't normally have the same stability as a church that's been around for 150 years. Uh, older churches tend to have uh, more established practices. They tend to have Elders present on site, they tend to have more regular preaching. But sometimes in church plants, we don't get to have the luxury of those things every day. The winds of the world blow especially hard upon church planting. After all, think about what church, what church planting is. It's the expansion of Christ's kingdom on earth. And what thing in the world would Satan hate more than a church plant? And so we need to be thinking about the attacks that will come as we plant a church, because, and that will cause us then to consider our foundation. Trials that come upon us are harder in a church plant. Preaching sometimes is harder in a church plant, because maybe we don't have a preacher yet. Uh, sometimes it's less frequent. It's easier to get discouraged in a church plant because we want things to move quickly. Whereas you don't always have to worry about that in a regular established church. There's no timeline. Things are are just as they are. And so church plants tend to be a place of discouragement. They tend to be a place with shallower roots. They tend to be a place with more attacks. I find this to be a tremendous comfort for us here in our passage because we're considering our foundation. And so a fourth principle that's here in our passage is the choice that we must make. And I think that's one of the points of this parable that's before us, because we have to choose what kind of foundation that we'll build upon. We have to choose what kind of foundation that we'll build upon for our marriage, for our home, for our career, for our church. So especially we need to think about the foundation that we'll build upon in a church plant. What kind of foundation are you building on today? We come to make an application to us individually. We don't have to be a church planner. You'll have to be in a church plan. What is your foundation? How are you building that foundation in your life? How are you building upon it? And what is your foundation? The fifth principle that's here is the way of wisdom. I love the way that our, our passage shows us that to build upon Christ in his words is the mark of wisdom. This is our only path when planting churches. We don't want to start out um, to be an unwise church plant. We want to start out being a, a church plant with wisdom. And so we need to consider our foundation and that we built upon the right foundation. There are many ways to go wrong in a church plant. There are many decisions to make. And there are many ways that we can start in a bad way that will have repercussions down the road. We'll talk about church discipline here in a few moments. Let's look and hear what the Lord Jesus tells us about uh, what not to do. Jesus says in verse 26 that everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Now that's an interesting way to, to start a sentence. But what Jesus is saying is that we're hearing his words, but we've decided not to do them. We've decided not to obey. So this isn't, we're not talking about Godless churches here. We're not talking about pagans. We're talking about God's people. He should be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I'm also fascinated in this passage in verse 27 when it talks about the greatness of the fall of the house, why would that be a point to make? Why would the fall of the house be great? Isn't that kind of interesting then? The house doesn't just fade away over time and gradually fall. But in the parable that the Lord Jesus gives, it falls with a resounding and terrible crash. I think in part that this is because the fall is amplified When something spiritual, something that should be built on something solid, is built upon anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. The fall of a church built intentionally not upon Christ will be more miserable, more noteworthy, and more destructive. And it will be more visible to the world, will it not? What does the world love more than than anything else than a a church failing or a pastor failing? committing a public sin. Those are the things that uh, the world jumps upon because it affirms their belief that what we're doing today isn't real or meaningful. Matthew Poole discusses this. He says, their misery and calamity shall be the greater by how much their hopes have been the stronger, the disappointment of their expectation adding to their misery. See, that's the thing about a church plant. A church plant has a lot of investment in it. Investment of prayer, investment of time, investment of hopes, encouragements. We don't just plan a church for uh, the next year. When we plan a church, we're thinking about our grandchildren. And so there's a lot that goes into a church plant. And when a church plant fails, great is the fall of it. So I want to think about The foundation of the church and make some of our applications this morning we want to focus on the words of Christ. What are we talking about then for our foundation? The Lord Jesus says it very clearly in verse twenty four. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which build built his house upon a rock. So we're looking to the words of the Lord Jesus. We're looking to what Christ has commanded. As I mentioned, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And there are many ways that the Lord Jesus is expounding upon the commandments, expounding upon the church, and expounding upon our responsibilities before the Lord. Well, far too often then, even well-meaning people, they turn to other sources of wisdom to build the church upon. What happens then When we turn away from the words of the Lord Jesus and we begin to build, we begin to build on sand. Many people build their marriages on sand, they build their families upon sand, they build a nation upon sand. And yes, we tend to build the church upon sand as well. The Lord Jesus warns us against this, especially in the Great Commission. Matthew 28. In verse 18, listen to how the Lord Jesus describes the expanding of his kingdom. And in particular, the things that we should build upon and the things that we should listen to in this, in these verses. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so we would say right away that this is the foundation of any church, but in particular, we want to apply this to church planting. As we apply going out with the word of Christ, in verse 20, the Lord Jesus says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's our foundation. And so if we would build a church upon the things that Christ did not command, we're not building upon a firm foundation. Now the the thing we want to point out here today is that many reformed churches build upon things not commanded by Christ. And so even reformed churches tend to stray away from the solid rock foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our, our standard in the Great Commission, what Jesus commands. We don't have any call to go forth and build a church on anything else. And So this is a very dangerous place to be, to have a heart that desires to plant a church. Which direction will we go? What foundation will we choose? Will we choose the words of Christ or will we choose the words of men? Our foundation today... Or establishing a church moving forward in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ must include the words of Christ. Similar words come up in the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus says, <clears throat> He says, "This do in remembrance of me in Luke chapter 22 and verse 19, and also again in First Corinthians 11 and verse 24. The Lord Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me, not this and this and this and whatever else that you want to add to the equation to remember me, do this. And so, once again, the commandments of the Lord are very specific. They are very detailed. And so what we must do then in planting churches is to be very careful to avoid straying away from the words that the Lord Jesus had given. In Mark chapter 7 Verses seven through nine, we have the Lord Jesus talking about the Pharisees. He says, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. So again, that's that very dangerous place to be, where we move away from the words of the Lord Jesus. For laying aside the commandment of God ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. Now, this is what's interesting, is that, again, many well-meaning people begin to plan a church not upon the words of Christ. And what's so interesting is they don't often just add the words of Christ to the, that are not Christ to the equation of Christ's words. What happens is many times the traditions actually displace the commandments of Christ. And and an example we're going to consider in a few moments is the singing of psalms. Now what many churches do, who build upon the sand, they build their church worship upon songs that are not inspired by God or commanded by God. And what almost always happens in that equation, the psalms are pushed aside. Well, it's not like we have a, a church that sings two man made hymns and two psalms hardly anyone ever does that what happens is a church for for decades will only sing the words of men and then maybe throw in a psalm every now and then maybe even by accident so a church can easily stray from the words of the Lord Jesus at the beginning of any church plant then we must consider our foundation and we must know what we must build upon So with that introduction and and that perspective there of Matthew chapter 7, we've already looked at a number of principles that will help us to move a little quickly. I want to to make our application to eight particular signs of a solid church. There are eight signs of a solid church in our time today. The first one is the one that we've talked about. The church on the solid foundation is Christ-centered. But there's a lot to unpack there. Because many Christians think and would say, well, I'm building upon Christ, but they're not. The church on the solid foundation must be planted upon the words of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Many churches in our time speak about Christ, but they're not Christ-centered, at least in some particular ways. One of the things I was amazed about this particular part of our country when we lived here years ago in North Texas, I was always amazed uh, that the number of the churches that would just pop up almost every week in the area, I mean, it happens all the time, at least where we were living. There, was, there were signs up every week that I'd never seen before. We get things in the mail all the time. Churches planted constantly by very well-meaning people. I don't doubt their salvation. I doubt their obedience. What would happen is we would get a a flyer in the mail. Typical pattern. This is the one I saw probably a dozen times. Husband and wife pastor team ready to plant a church. Already departing from the words of Christ. Super nice people. Uh, They find some talented musicians. And then they open up uh, a church when they find an empty school building or they advertise that things begin to grow. And those churches... Expand. Those churches take off. Sometimes they grow so much, those groups have to split into different groups to meet in different locations because they're so popular. But they're not Christ centered. You see, they've immediately started out as an independent church, which isn't Christ centered. And they start out worshiping how they want to worship, which isn't Christ centered. And they start out with the leadership that isn't approved by a presbytery, which isn't Christ centered. And then they begin to preach a gospel often that has strayed from God's word, which isn't Christ-centered. And so when people look at these churches, from the outside, everything appears to be in order. But they're not Christ-centered. They're not built upon that foundation that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us in Matthew chapter 7, that foundation of his words. I want to talk a little bit more about that because the church is built on sin might mention the Bible, but it actually knows very little of the Bible. I find that to be kind of ironic in our time. Joel Osteen is a a good example of this. He he does this fairly masterfully, at least uh, we we gauge that by the number of people that follow him. He has a whole arena of people. And what they do in each church service is they hold their Bible up in the air. And and they make this pledge about how important the Bible is and what they do. But then what they do, they put the Bible away and for the next 30 minutes or however long they're there, they ignore the Bible. They don't talk about what's in the Bible. They don't follow biblical principles. And so this is what we're facing in the world in which we live, where a very common pattern is that churches have the appearance of being Christ-centered, but then those churches aren't Christ-centered at all. They're built upon the wisdom of men. And that's something that we need to gauge today as a church here in Dallas. And as we look at a church plant, possibly across town, are we built upon Christ's words? I believe that we are. But it's something that we need to constantly measure and, and constantly gauge how we are building our foundation. Now, this building upon the wisdom of men it's really easy to point out Joe Osteen, right? It's kind of easy to point fingers. But that's not who we're here to point fingers at today. We're here to point fingers at ourselves. And I want to know, am I building on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus and His words? And I want you to ask the question if you are building on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask the question, there are two responses in our passage. If we are building upon the foundation that is the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are Christ-centered, then we have the hope of verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That's, that's a message of hope for us today. But it's not easy to build a church on a rock. And secondly, then our our second hope here, if we don't have a Christ-centeredness, if we're building upon the words of men, then our hope is found in verse 27. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. All that we do must be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our doctrine, our worship, our obedience, our time, our finances, our family, every single thing that we do must be built upon this rock or a church plant will not succeed. And so we need to make these general principles for the remainder of our points. First point then was that the church on the solid foundation is Christ-centered. The second is the church on the solid foundation is directed By sound confessional reform theology, our doctrine is essential when it comes to planting a church. What kind of doctrine will we plant upon? The solid church must be built upon the true doctrine of the Lord Jesus, the doctrines of the Reformation, and we find it best summarized in the Westminster Standards. Now, sadly, uh, the doctrine of Christ in many churches is very shallow. It's not sure, like our standards. And on the grand stage of church history, if we quick survey, Reformed theology is unique. It stands out. It's distinct. It's different from modern evangelicalism, Lutheranism, Methodism, and all the other isms. And we don't have time to really compare or break down the entire Westminster standards. But what do we know? In our own circles, many confess the standards, but they don't hold to the standards. Sometimes the Westminster Confession becomes something that is a part of us only in word, but not in deed. That's something that we talk about, something that's on paper, but it's really not a part of our building upon the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many Reformed Presbyterians speak of the standards, but they don't live them. And so it's very easy for us to be inconsistent here when it comes to our doctrine. Many times we might hold to the doctrine of the Westminster uh, Assembly, but we hold to it half heartedly. It's our doctrine, but as long as it doesn't go against what we want to do, and we'll follow the traditions of men on certain points, but we'll follow the standards on others. This is very dangerous. It's very dangerous for a church plant. Our application to church planting is this. From the very beginning of planting a church, we will not compromise our doctrine. We cannot. Our doctrine must be sound. It must be based upon the words of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We will not give in to the temptation to be popular, to artificially grow, or to be artificially... uh, well known in the community because we stray away from the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ our doctrine is solid, our foundation is sure, it is the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ now why do I say all of that because we have to decide that ahead of time we have to decide our doctrine before we plan a church what kind of church will we be our doctrine must be decided sometimes our Sound doctrine is very controversial. Our sound doctrine is a doctrine that makes people run the other way sometimes. When people are unhappy with our doctrine, how will we respond to that? How will you respond as a church plant when, when people come up to you and say, I just don't believe those things. I have to leave. Well, the response that many people have well, what do you want us to do? We'll change. We don't want to be that kind of church plant. We will not change our doctrine, and we have to be ready for this. It's something we have to decide at the beginning of a church plant. It's also something we have to decide when we choose our elders. And so when those rise up within the church to be leaders in the church, and they say that they won't hold to the standards because we ask them, our response is then we're just not interested We will not compromise in choosing leaders in the church. Or the thing that, the general way that a church plant goes is the church is planted by a presbytery, and over time, then the church will call a pastor. What kind of pastor will we call? Will we call a pastor who is only half heartedly devoted to the Westminster standards, the doctrine of our fathers? Or will we only call a pastor who has a certain Doctrinal foundation. What does that immediately do then? It immediately limits the candidates. For a pastor. Or for elders in the church. That can produce discouragement. Because we may go for a time. When we do not have faithful elders. Or a faithful pastor. You have to be ready for that. So if you would build your church. Upon the doctrinal foundations. That we've talked about today. Then you have to be ready. For a time of discouragement. And you have to be patient. Families want to come into the church. Great. What if they're antagonistic to our doctrine? Well, sometimes that happens. I've seen this happen many times. We gently help them to find a church more suited for their doctrine. We don't have to fling open the doors in a church plan, And everyone that walks in the door will always be there. That's, that's a very dangerous approach to take. We don't want to have a church filled with people who do not follow our doctrine. And that can be, again, a, a precarious place to be. But we must focus upon the rock. And if we'll build on the rock and have that solid foundation, verse 25 is our hope. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. But if we shift our doctrine, For something more popular. To move away from the rock. For something that will grow the church. That can be devastating for a church plant. But it might grow like crazy. We would then have the hope of verse 27. The rain descended and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Now let's talk about something that's hard to talk about. Sometimes a faithful church plant just fails. It just happens. People move away. Uh, people people change their minds. Faithful church plants fail. So we're not trying to make the implication today or, or to say that every church plant that's ever failed wasn't faithful. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying we need to choose the right foundation if we are to plant a church. And application-wise, we can almost say the same thing today about the family. And we say this also here. A family that's built on a firm doctrinal foundation is much more stable more apt to survive long term ideally that uh, doctrine is the same as the church it's derived from the same source the words of Christ so fathers and and mothers is your doctrinal foundation sure young men who want to build a a home someday a family is your doctrinal foundation sure choose that now Don't choose your foundation long after you begin to build. And We can't choose our foundation for a church plant long after we begin to build. We have to decide today. The third application of our passage, the church on the solid foundation practices true biblical worship. The church on the solid foundation practices true biblical worship. The foundation of Christ's commandments includes the singing of the inspired psalms and God's word in worship. And that's it. I don't have any other command to sing anything else in worship. A conviction for this is absolutely essential for a church plan. We have to be convinced. We can't half-heartedly be convinced of singing psalms. Core families, for example, can't waver here. There can't be an, an inkling of doubt on the regular principle of worship. And as we've said, it's true. Many people will attend the average church with a number of different convictions. But the core families and the elders and the pastor cannot waver. We cannot plant a church without a firm conviction of worship and the regulative principle especially. We would say this of our elders. We cannot waver on this principle when it comes to the selection of elders. If we would build the church upon the words of the Lord Jesus and worship only as he has commanded, we have the hope of verse 25. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not where it was founded upon a rock. But a strange thing happens in our time, even among psalm singers. I keep hearing more and more about this. Some hold to the singing of psalms in the home church, and they like the singing of psalms, but when they travel and attend non-psalm singing churches, they'll sing the uninspired psalms. I'm fascinated by that. How how can that be person's conviction that we should sing psalms, but then when you're not in a psalm singing church, you'll just sing whatever there is to sing. If we're truly devoted to singing of psalms, and we understand the doctrine behind singing only the psalms, then our conviction is we sing only the psalms. And so it's a very strange thing to to see this type of a, a low view of psalmody that it varies depending upon the environment in which we're in. It's surely, sorely displeasing to Christ who gave us his psalms only to sing, that we will go into any environment and sing whatever is offered up to the Lord. We have to have a devotion to singing only the psalms. Now, what's So strange to me is that's not a conviction of singing psalms. It's a convenience. What is our conviction? We should be convicted today that any addition to the psalms in worship is an abomination. It is a golden calf. It is strange fire. And to sing anything else in worship should anger us. It should outrage us. And it surely should not be found within the walls of a faithful church. If you would sing uninspired, man-made hymns in worship of any kind, my response to you is to call you to repent of your sin. We're only commanded to sing the inspired psalms. All else is man-centered, sinful, worship, built, Upon the sand of man's imagination. Now that's the solid foundation that we have to build the church upon, only the Psalms. And when we build the church upon the Psalms, we have that hope of verse 25. But if we have a variance in our conviction, if we have the desire to also sing other songs, then verse 27 is our hope. The rain descended. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You see, our understanding of the regular principle of worship takes seriously the many warnings in Scripture against following after the imaginations of men. And it also takes seriously any attempt to defile the holy worship of God. This is the foundation that we must build a church plant upon. Regarding worship in general, a high view of worship will lead us to see the need for a morning and evening or afternoon worship service. Two worship services is a, an essential part of biblical worship. That's something we have to have a conviction for. <clears throat> and no, this is hard for church plants because many times we don't have a place to meet. I remember when we first started meeting here uh, in Dallas, we just we just didn 't have a place to meet for that second service, and one of the things that looking back on i I wish that we had started from day one with those two services uh, so that 's something i 've come to see the importance of uh, when it comes to church planting is is to is to go for having those two worship services. Now you had the advantage here of being not so far away. So you're able to worship in a home church for one service and on a, an evening church, a service in another, not all church plants have that luxury and not all church plants have the luxury of having a place to meet. I'm mean, I sorting out there because I the think it's very important for us to think about beginning on the solid foundation. We don't, we don't want to have a goal for a solid foundation. The solid foundation has to happen at the beginning The fourth conviction from our passage by way of of example is the church on the solid foundation keeps the Sabbath day. The church on the solid foundation keeps the Sabbath day. We can't begin a church that won't have a faithful view of the Lord's holy day. And when it comes to evaluating the foundation of the church, the Sabbath day is actually a perfect way to measure the way we spend our time I also find that our view of the Sabbath day is also a pretty good way to measure the stability of our families. We want to have solid core families. We want to have elders uh, in our church someday, in a church plant. We must call a pastor someday. What's their view of the Sabbath day? And we have to be very careful because a lot of people will say, well, sure, keep the Sabbath, but it means something different to everyone that who says it. So let's be very, very careful and specific about what we mean by keeping the Sabbath. And so in forming our core families together for a church plant, we must have families who are are dedicated to the keeping of the Sabbath from the very beginning. And if we care very little for the Sabbath, then we're just building on sand. Because Christ's solid foundation includes the fourth commandment. It includes holy sabbath day let's ask some hard questions i think there are a number of hard questions in this sermon to ask why would god bless a church plant that desecrates the sabbath why would we begin a church that won't keep the sabbath why would god bless elders who won't teach and guide the congregation to keep the Sabbath. So we have to think about this when it comes to choosing elders in a church plan. What are their convictions? If we would be devoted to the commandments of the Lord and the fourth commandment, then verse 25 is our hope. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was grounded upon a rock. If we want to stand against the attacks that will come against the church, then we must build upon the right foundation. And a part of that foundation is the Lord's holy day. Without the foundation of Sabbath keeping, our future is found in verse 27. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Two services is also an important part of Sabbath-keeping. It's an important part of the structures that elders who, who love their people know how hard it is for families to structure a day on their own in the world in which we live. They give that structure. The elders have compassion and wisdom because they're building on the right foundation. Now, the elders who will not do this, they give evidence of building on sand. The elders, will talk about the loving church this afternoon. The loving, it, it, the loving church understands the difficulty of keeping the Sabbath and the challenges that are there. And the elders who love the people under their care will structure the Sabbath day for the people. The Sabbath day is essential in our building on the foundation of Christ. And another thing needs to be said also, when we must say it here, is that there is only one holy day. And so a solid foundation of the words of Christ would be to build upon the one holy day that the Lord has given. And building on anything else is building on sand. The fifth application that we want to make in our our limited time here as, as we come to the end, we want to make the point that the church on the solid foundation is Presbyterian. A church on the solid foundation is Presbyterian. Because there's only one form of government given in God's word. It's the form of government of the apostles. In Acts chapter 15. The order of the church must be the form of government established by Christ. Christ established no other form of church government. There's only one biblical form of church government. And all else is building on sand. If you want to build a church on a firm foundation, then there's no other option. Jesus didn't model for us multiple means of having church government. There's just one. In many ways, this is very gracious, isn't it? It's hard to make decisions. I hate making decisions of any kind. It's hard. We don't have to make a decision about our church government because there's only one. One given by the Lord Jesus. We talked about the storms that will come upon the church. Well, only Presbyterianism is able to handle the winds and the rains of the world. Only Presbyterianism, the structure of the Lord Jesus Christ, is able to handle the attacks that will come upon the church. Christ gives us this model through the Apostles. It's the only way to weather the storms that will come upon a church plant. The attacks that come upon a church need to have structure, need to to fall upon structure in order to be deflected. And that's what happens with Presbyterianism. Think about it like this. Why would we opt for a different form of government than what the apostles used? One of the favorite things for people to say is that, well, The Bible doesn't give us a commanded form of church government. It gives us a modeled form of church government. And isn't the modeled form of church government commanded for us? Why would we follow any other form? If we would obey Christ and follow the pattern that he has given, we would be Presbyterian. And there are many protections in Presbyterianism for the people. Protections for the elders. There's a means to try an offender in Presbyterian churches. There's a way to appeal to a larger body to answer theological questions in Presbyterianism. It's not present in other forms of government. There are protections for you, the people of the church in Presbyterianism. They're not present in other forms of government. And so that's a solid foundation upon which we can build. And only here then is also the question of obedience. How are we obeying Christ in a church plant? By following the form of government that he instituted. And so our hope is, in verse 25, the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. It fell not where it was founded upon the rock. If we're truly Presbyterian, our church will not fail because of that. There may be other reasons why a church plant fails, but we're built on the rock. But the other side, it's interesting interestingly, mean, a certain amount of arrogance in choosing a different foundation than what Christ has spoken. With our imagery here, it's choosing sand instead of a rock. When troubles begin to fall upon a church plant, what protections are there and other forms of church government? When built upon sand, everything begins to fall apart. The solution to the problems are man's solutions rather than Christ's solutions. We have a problem in a Presbyterian church. We have a way to appeal to a larger body, modeled for us in Acts chapter 15. But we don't have that in other forms of government. And so it's very interesting when it comes to the foundation that we will build upon. What form of government will we choose If we choose to be non-Presbyterian, which is everything else besides Presbyterianism, then what we're choosing is chaos and disorder and imbalance, unfairness, injustice, oppression, confusion, and division. Because that's what's present in the other forms of government. How can we build upon us a firm foundation of Christ when we immediately introduce all of those problems into a church plant. These types of churches have all the hope of verse 27. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Sixthly, and we're we're near the end, We'll, we'll hurry up these last few, but sixthly, the church on the solid foundation tithes, Tithing is an essential part of church planting. The scriptures call us to give a tenth to God as a tithe. The solid church is dedicated to obeying God and giving the tithe. For church planting, then, how can we hope to sustain a church with core families who won't tithe? How can we hope to have a church plant if there's no tithing? How will we care for the pastor? How will we care for the people? If there's no tithing, there's no core foundation. How can we hope to sustain anything without regular obedience and tithing? Some churches never ask the question of church members, will you tithe? We do. As a part of our covenant of communicant membership, do you promise to give to the Lord's work as he shall prosper you? can't remember ever being in a denomination and ask such a question because we understand it as being commanded and we understand it as being essential. The church that will tithe, that will give back to the Lord, will be built on the solid foundation of verse 25. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not where it was founded upon a rock but and we want to word this carefully and we'll look more at it this afternoon the church that would steal from God has a dark promise to look forward to in verse 27 the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's combine number seven and eight to wrap up our time this morning. Seventh sign of a solid church. The church on the solid foundation encourages family worship. I can tell you how many churches that I've been in in my life <clears throat> that never spoke about family worship. Family worship is essential to be a church that's built on a solid foundation because it is a measure of the faithfulness of a home. A home that is Christ-centered will have family worship. And they have the hope of of deflecting that rain and the floods and the winds and being built upon the rock. The same, we would say, for the church that never gives emphasis to family worship. That church is the one where the floods will come and the rains will descend and the winds will blow upon that house and it will fall. And great is the fall of it because church Plants must have solid families. And family worship is a sign of a solid, careful, thoughtful family centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We would say then, our eighth point, and I do want to talk a little bit more about this this afternoon, is that the church on the solid foundation is devoted to catechism. We have to teach our children if we would be built on the solid foundation, the Lord Jesus gives us clear instruction to build our home, to teach our children solid doctrine. Catechism has fallen out of favor in our time. And so often, even in Reformed churches, it's rarely mentioned. But It's a sign of a solid foundation. Verse 25 is true of the church that will catechize. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But you see, far too often in our time today, the churches exchange the catechism for veggie tales. Veggie tales is a good example of the the depth of teaching that often comes to children, and the church that would exchange the Shorter Catechism for veggie Tales is a church that has very little hope for the future. Because I can promise you that the children who are raised with the theology of the veggie Tales versus the Shorter Catechism will not produce a strong and solid church in future generations. Catechism is essential. We wanna make that an important part of any church plant. We wanna talk about it at the beginning. Because from the very beginning of a church plant, we need to train, teach our children. And we want to have that solid foundation. Well, there are a couple more points, but we'll end there. Those are eight particular signs of a solid church. A solid church is Christ-centered. A solid church is um, focusing on Christ. But the solid church also has sound confessional reform theology, A solid church has a foundation that practices true biblical worship. The solid foundation of the church, the church with the solid foundation, keeps the Sabbath day. The church on the solid foundation is Presbyterian. The church on the solid foundation tithes. The church on the solid foundation encourages family worship. And the church on the solid foundation practices catechism. We've made this application to a number of particular elements. I think they apply across the board to our personal lives as well. <clears throat> what will happen to you today, child of God, when the winds come? When the rains come? When the floods come? Will you survive? Will you survive The answer to that will largely be determined on what kind of foundation that you have. Now, to the one today who is apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, I would imagine that a lot of these things sound very strange to you. We've talked about different parts of the church that you might not be familiar with. But to the one who is apart from Christ, this passage actually talks about your eternal destiny see the passage that's before us tells us that without Christ what will happen to you because without Christ the rains will descend without Christ the floods will come the winds will blow they will beat upon you and you will fall because you don't have the solid foundation in fact what will happen when you fall as you will be swept into the fires of an eternal hell forever with no end. Hear the words of the living God today and repent and believe. Call upon Christ while he may be found. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and believe. For only in Christ is there salvation and eternal life. Child of God today Hear the word. Child of God today, build upon the firm foundation. Child of God today, consider your foundation. Is it solid? How are you building? Measure your foundation in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for you giving us clear directions in your word, directions from your own dear son. Grant that we might build all of our efforts upon the words of Christ alone. And we pray that all of our churches would be solid, would be grounded, and that they would be sure in the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.